With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We've been married 38 years. We're retired, and this is how we live united. We play golf and we travel, but we also decided we were going to give to and volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. I do the nursing at the clinic. I work the front office, checking in patients, greeting them, making them feel comfortable. United Way is how we contribute because we know our time and money are going to the right places, the places that need it most and implement it best. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement too. We even get a few bless shoes. It's incredible. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. So we don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Would you like to contribute to the conversation? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition conversation was in. Jay Talking with Bradley Jay. I listen to morning with the sun up. I'm busy. WBZ News Radio 1030. I tune my radio to AM 1030. The radio's all yours now. I talk to a man whose name is Bradley J. Improved my mind in a wonderful way. I just called in to see what condition conversation was in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, what condition conversation was in. It's WBZ. It's Friday. And uh, just now, kind of waking up. I spent all day trying to wake up. And boom, here I am, just in the nick of time, because we're hanging out with Casey Sword, Sword, Casey Sword, and David Bieber. Hello, folks. Hey there, Bradley. Good morning. Now, David never just drops by on a whim. There's always a reason. And the reason this time is the things going on at the Cabot Theater. And Casey is the executive director of the Cabot Theater. What's going on, Casey? So much is going on right now. Uh, right now, we are counting down the days till the 50th anniversary of Woodstock, which happens to be next Thursday, August 15th. And we've been spending the summer, David and I, uh, we, we've been programming uh, lots of Woodstock-related concerts at the Cabot. And at the same time, we've been working with David and his team at the David Bieber Archives to completely decorate the theater in the theme um, of Woodstock and the era. Um, and it's just been an amazing experience uh, for all of our concert goers. Anything uh, David Bieber touches turns to gold. <laughs> Well, the you're Cabot very, Theater very, is now is now the golden even platinum. <laughs> platinum turns the gold when I you're, touch it. You're, you're very fortunate to be associated with him. You just can't lose. There's no way you're going to lose. So there's the main there's the events that surround the actual dates of Woodstock, but ramping up to that and after are other events that are tied in. Correct. That's correct. So so we kicked off this whole thing back in June with David Crosby, uh, who 
performed at the original Woodstock. The real his, David Crosby. The, the real David Crosby was there. Uh, we're also showing a, his new documentary called Remember My Name at the end of August. So we've got a lot of David Crosby stuff going on. Uh, following week, we had Jefferson Starship, uh, who, who came into town. Mavis Staples was, was just in. Um, we've got culminating this whole thing is going to be three performances of the Broadway musical A Night with Janis Joplin, which is the first Broadway musical that we've ever had at the Cabot, which is pretty exciting that we were able to tie this all in uh, to the anniversary of Woodstock. And lots of great movie events. Uh, we celebrated Jerry Garcia's birthday last week with the Grateful Dead meetup at the movies. Uh, Echo in the Canyon this Saturday. We've got Jimi Hendrix Electric Church coming in. Uh, so What's we're, that? So th that is a documentary film about his performance um, in Atlanta in 1970. It was the largest crowd I think he ever performed to in the United States. Wow. This is, that's huge. How about the booking of this stuff? Was it difficult? Do you do the booking and is it difficult? Um, I, you know, you, you could say that, it, that it's a little bit of a labor of love, but putting this stuff together, you know, is a natural for us and our audience there. Um, they, they love it and, and they love the venue. So it's, it's, it's just a lot of fun. And all of the Woodstock stuff that became available, some of it was because the Woodstock event didn't happen like the weight band. They were supposed to play at the right. Woodstock 50th anniversary show, and now they're playing with us. <laughs> so That's we're good. having our own little celebration up on the North Shore. So you're doing a great, great, great job of booking. Well, thanks. Did you get a Broadway musical? I mean, a musical? We do. Was it difficult to book that? They, so, they would came. you like to come up here to Beverly, Massachusetts? And they go, oh, yeah, we... We've been waiting for an opportunity to do that. It's taken us a couple years to get it going, and and David has been a hugely uh, instrumental person, bringing helping us uh, work with Peter Wolf the last couple New Year's Eves. Uh, but artists come in and they they love the venue. It's a it's a great size. It's eight hundred and fifty seats, so you can do, a, you know, a, a larger uh, kind of show, but it still feels intimate. There's not a bad seat in the place. We put over four million dollars into the building. It's ninety nine years old this year since we started it five years ago. So it's things are things are going really well there. How'd you get the gig of executive director? You know, no, no I small was thing. It, it was it was one of these things. I was living on the North Shore at the time and I was working at BU and I, I was getting tired of my commute in and out uh three hours a day or whatever that was 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 doing and uh, my uh, mutual friend, uh, friend Fred Taylor uh, from Scullers, uh, who was also a BU alumni, uh, and Sue Eau Claire, who was our uh, marketing and PR person, uh, they, they connected me with, uh, with some of the folks up there, and we hit it off, and uh, we kind of took a, took a chance. And so did you have a meeting? They decided that you were cool, and they said, okay. Pretty much. What did you do at BU? I was there for, for seven years, and I was running uh, all of their on-campus music and performance venues. All right. So you were booking stuff. I was booking stuff then, and uh, but my first kind of entree into historic theaters was working as a janitor at the Orpheum when I was in college. See, that's, um, that's so, good on the resume. So, so yeah. I've done every job in the place, and, uh, and, and I think it makes me uniquely qualified to love uh, working at historic theaters. When you were a janitor at the Orpheum, did you... You know, were you kind of backstage at any thing, at any events? Did you see anything cool that somebody who was not a janitor wouldn't see? Absolutely. I mean, one of my favorite stories of the Orpheum was was Natalie Merchant when she was there doing a sound check, and I was sitting out in the audience, and the biggest rat that I've ever seen runs out right in front of her and perches right up on her monitor wedge 
and just stands there while she's sound checking, just looking straight up at her. And she didn't notice the thing until she was done. And then she looked down after the sound check and let out this blood curdling scream. What else? I bet um, you have more stories. Got one more? Oh, boy. If you don't, we can move on. No, we, we, no, we can keep going. I think the, the most fun show that I ever did there was uh, Beck and the Flaming Lips playing together. Um, and I got to sit in this really sweaty spotlight booth that they have up there and run the spotlight for the first time See, for that show. So cool. And that was that was a lot of fun. So that, I kind of was I was in it uh, for the long haul with historic theaters after some of those experiences. Casey Sword and David Bieber, Casey's executive director of the Cabot Theater, where huge things are going on. And David Bieber is uh, King Midas and <laughs> and Scrooge McDuck and Scrooge McDuck and uh, curator of the Rock Memorabilia at the Verb Hotel, which we'll talk about later. Uh, general, I, I like David for a lot of reasons. I think the most important thing is he's a cultural archivist. But I don't know he he made he makes me feel like the the thing that I did all my life at the rock station was more than fun, but had some sort of cultural significance. That's why I, I, that's important to me that and people out there who love rock music, it's not just fitter and time away. There's a cultural significance to it. Absolutely. I, and it, and it really impacts all phases of media and popular culture and the real world. And I think that that's what, uh, this installation at the Cabot is all about because we've taken the year 1969, but it's not just Woodstock. It's not just music. It has so many aspects of that year. And the predecessor years, 67 and 68, were very impactful in their own way. And 69 had everything from, well, of course, Woodstock, but then the other bookend, uh, the dark side of, of Woodstock, was Altamont in November of 1969. And you had Chappaquiddick, and you had moon landing, and you Huge. had the Manson family. I mean, we have one of the, one of the papers from Nova Scotia that uh, is in the Cabot uh, part of the uh, exhibit. And in big red letters, you know, th the size of World War III declared, <laughs> it says, Earthlings walk on the moon. My absolute favorite <laughs> right. piece yeah. in the whole and, thing. And that's yeah. just one of about 150 p pieces that are part of this installation. And Casey has, you know, basically it was bare walls. And he gave me and uh, Lance Salemo, Chuck White, Jeannie, uh, Smith, the opportunity to uh, you know use all those walls as a canvas to put a pro probably 150 things there. And those folks you just mentioned are people that have worked with you for a long time. Yes, yes. All right, I want to ask you who the audience is at uh, the Cabot. You said the audience loves it. Well, who is the audience? Well, the audience, when I got there, they were, they were about 10,000 strong a year, and now they're 90,000 strong a year, and they're coming from all over the place. So, the, you know, you know, generally... It's the North Shore, and but people, depending on who who shows up there, uh, we we just had Amy Mann back in July, and a, a lot of people drove up from Boston to to, to see shows. She's there, nice. So. She nice still. Still nice. Yep. Yep. Everybody loves Amy. She's yeah. she's fabulous. David was there. Yeah. I was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. 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 She's still walking was, with a limp because she only has nine toes. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, a little reference from uh, the Big Lebowski, where she played a woman right. <laughs> who had her, her toe removed. But that's that's part of our audience. The, I'll give you a perfect example of what the Cabot's all about. Every Labor Day weekend, we play the Big Lebowski film, and we serve white Russians. And people, three or four hundred of them, come out every every year in their bathrobes to come watch this still, movie at our old thing. historic theater. It's still a thing. Well, what day do you do that? 
That that'll be the Saturday night of Labor Day weekend. Wow. Yeah, every and how year. How much is the White Russian on that special night? Uh, it's you know ten bucks. Ten bucks. Yeah. All right. Yeah. For you, okay. it's eight. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Now you go. Now, the name of the ex- exhibition, if you will, or exhibit. Can you talk about that and uh, in, back to the garden and the significance of that? Well, yeah, back to the garden uh, is from the lyrics that Joni Mitchell wrote the song Woodstock. She did not attend. She was uh, doing the Dick Cavett show in New York and uh, wasn't at Woodstock, but she uh, was very empathetic to the event, and the song came out very quickly after. And uh, Back to the Garden is kind of what this is, just returning to that time. It's hard to believe that, you know, 50 years have passed and, uh, you know, in its own uh, quirky way, the fact that the uh, the people who produced that show had 50 years to plan to do an anniversary show and didn't get it together to I do know. it, you know, <laughs> which is kind of very unfortunate. And uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure that there were all kinds of intentions because from what I've heard, $31 million was spent in guaranteed money for the acts who keep what they were paid even though they don't have to show That's up. That's a sweet deal. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I, th- I think the wisdom is, you know, and Casey could address this more, knowing uh, how it is dealing with agents and managers and acts themselves, that uh, there are certain basics that go in the transactional deal, and uh, people have to plan. People have to know that if they're playing, you know, in, right. in Beverly, that means they're not going to be playing. Uh, it's an opportunity in, in, cost, and yeah, they need to, yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. And David, I only we only had to pay you guys half of that thirty-one million to, to do the exhibit, so we yeah, got a deal. Well, the same number of zeros, just half the first two numbers. Yeah. Want to cover some questions I had when you were talking about people that came by? Tell me about hang. David Crosby was there. You you were the, you're the boss. You probably got to hang around with him. David Crosby, he you know he came. Is he grumpy, sweetheart? What's the deal? We we had a wonderful time with David Crosby. He he came the night before. To what to our sold out show with Kev Moe. He just he just walked in the front door with his baseball cap on and sat down and watched the show and talked to patrons, had had a had a time. The next day he came in, walked around the Beverly Arts Fest all day. And uh unfortunately, about thirty-five minutes into his set, he fell ill and wasn't able to finish the performance. Um so we had a wonderful time with him, but you know, as 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 he, some of these folks get on in their years, it can be tough for them. Was that to, a, you're blaming it on being old? Maybe it was something he ate. Could have been something he ate. <laughs> something, I don't think it's no, old. I something think it's that old. he consumed 35 years ago. Yeah. So set the scene for me. He's playing, he's performing, and then he starts to get kind of sweaty. And Yeah. And I was standing white. in the back with David when it happened, actually. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it yeah. starts to be... He well, started, started getting dizzy. And, he asked. Uh, he asked uh, for water. Yeah. And um, I mean, it was. Uh, he was strong, and he was doing new material. He was doing old material. Sounded think, fabulous. He really did. Yep. And he had a, a real stellar backup band. And uh, then he reached a point where he halted. He asked for some water. He got some water, and then he just called it quits. And the thing that was so dramatic and it turned out obviously well in the aftermath but to see the lights of a fire truck and an ambulance outside the cabot theater and that was I, I sobering 
Well, yeah. I mean, yep. because at that point, you didn't know what the end result was right. going to be. But he did continue the tour. And it could I, have been anything. I even saw him um, uh, with Cameron Crowe uh, on a couple of late night shows when they were talking about the film, the documentary, because, um, you know, they've had a long connection. Cameron writing for Rolling Stone when he was. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Teenager and, you know, talking to... The David Crosby, among other many, many articles that he wrote, and I think he directed the documentary. Is that I right? So, yeah. Okay. You so, mentioned Starship came by. Or did I interrupt? No. Go ahead. Did you mention Starship came by? Jefferson Starship came by. And okay, let's they, get the details on that. It would just what you'd expect from that band. I mean, just they they, they who, who they was there? The house down. How many of them? How many of in the band? No. Or, did everybody show up? Everybody. Everybody showed up. It's so incredible to me. Right up there. Well, it's it's it's, it's just not it's, that far away. Well, it's it, I guess you'd have to have a name checklist of who everybody is because you know Marty Ballin, Paul Kantner, no longer alive. Uh, Grace Slick, years or decades ago, uh, bowed out so that she could have uh, a, a pursuit of her own passion, which is artwork, and she's had many gallery uh, shows and exhibits along the way. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, and I think it, people who've listened to Bradley's show in the past know that occasionally there'll be a discussion about the most dreaded song in the history of rock music and uh, we, built, we built this we city. Built this city. <laughs> I don't remember. We, yeah. That's true. I, I do feel like you describe, I feel, I didn't realize we talked about it that yeah, much. I think mm. I think there's been We a, built this city. It's hard hard to argue with that one. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a, a stampede that, you know. <laughs> for the door. <laughs> right. I mean it's such a such a long sad trip from uh you know tell them a hookah smoking caterpillar oh, yeah. to we built this city. Yep. And now uh we talked a little can you talk more about the musical? It's absolutely coming. yeah absolutely so th i mean this this is very exciting for us especially for those of us who were those who were involved five years ago when the theater was dark and it had old seats from the 1964 world's fair that were in the orchestra level the place smelled like mildew it had no air conditioning it had 90 96 year old seats up in the balcony and now we've got this what looks like a fully renovated performing arts center on the inside with new sound and new lights. And we're bringing in our first Broadway show and it's totally exciting. It's going to be their first stop on their tour. So they're going to be in Beverly the whole week leading up to the show for rehearsals, bringing in the whole cast. So we're going to try and do something fun around town with the cast while they're in. While they're Did there. you have to help them with their logistics, like where they get their hotels and things? Yeah, yeah, that's that's usually part of it, um, you, you know. Or and, and and sometimes they just take care of all their own arrangements themselves. It really it, it varies uh, depending on huh. who you're dealing with. There's a lot going on. I have to say that I actually two years ago saw this 
performance, A Night with Janis Joplin, yes. at the Schubert Theater in Boston, and it was really excellent. The woman who was playing, and I guess as a matter of description of what it is, it's a, a kind of fantasy concert of Janis at her peak, uh, what she would have done, and so it's got the, the band behind, it also has backup singers who then take their star turn at the mic uh, and these women backup singers wind up being the influences that Janice had wow, had. Wow, that's great. So it's Nina Simone and Bessie Smith, but uh, it's a full-on Janice Joplin show, and it's terrific. Wow. And, uh, that's great. And we're talking about all the goings-on at the great resource up there in the North Shore, the Cabot Theater. And you, you said it's been renovated. It's to the tune of $4 million. What does that buy you? So what that's got us is it's got us 850 new seats in the in the theater uh, that desperately needed to be done. How much are seats? About 250 bucks each. Okay, that's good to know. That's, so, I love that when people just answer a question like that. These are the kinds of things that you never thought you'd a deal, know. Right? But that's but probably getting a deal. It is getting a deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you got seats, eight hundred and fifty seats at two hundred fifty bucks. Yep, and then and then and then to install them, it's another two hundred. So it's really like five hundred bucks a chair. Okay, you know, you know when it's all set. And so done. you yeah, you know when you buy a ticket, you, you really should understand you're getting quite a deal. You're sitting in a, a chair that costs five hundred bucks. Pretty much. Yep. Okay, and but the cool thing about that that project is we did a buy a seat campaign. So all of those seats at the Cabot have a, have have a, a name little, plate, a little nameplate next to them, and. Actually, if you still want one, we have a couple left in the back. How much are they? Five hundred. Five hundred bucks. That's right. how much the seats cost. Uh, you know, to tell you the truth, you know how you go to a park or to a beach, and there'll, there'll be a bench, and it says "In memory of mm -hmm. Elizabeth Reed" or whoever. <laughs> and I, and I've always thought, why do people wait till they're gone to do that? I want my bench now. That's right. So you can. So use maybe it. instead yep. of the bench, I'll do that. I got my kids two seats in the front row, and. They're like, Dad, why did you get us the front row? We can't sit here for movies because they they're looking up at the screen, you know, and their 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 necks are like this, so they they can never sit in their. Do seats people get a seat, movies. get a deal to sit in the seat with their name on it? There are some people that, you know, they'll buy tickets right away so that they can buy tickets to, to sit their in, seat in their seats, <laughs> uh, which is pretty. It's actually pretty cool. Did, did yeah. you sell any lifetime seats? Yeah, or that you uh, buy the seat and you get to. Dibs admission for the rest of uh, we have we have like a, season ticket season lifetime season ticket kind of thing. We we have a couple of those people who uh, you know people who helped get us started That's and great. things like that. And uh, we we've just renovated our opera boxes, so the opera boxes in the Cabot were never accessible. They they hold they held old lighting equipment that was abandoned, and there was actually a wall that was built so you couldn't access them. We believe it was because the magic show that was there for thirty seven years before us didn't want people to see the tricks. And if you're oh. in the opera boxes, you can see backstage and how they're cranking people up on lifts and things like that. So um, so we've opened those up, and, and we let our, our, our special donors and sponsors and VIPs sit in those seats. Okay, you talked about a sound system. We got a brand-new Meyer sound system. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's totally changed the game. We've got a center channel in there for films now, so you can actually hear the dialogue on the screen very well in throughout the whole theater. Um, that that that's been a huge upgrade. We got a nice little write-up in Mix Magazine, which 
me as a sound engineer at Berkeley, I always used to read that magazine. So, oh, I, I, I always wanted to be in Mixed Magazine, you know, and now we got a write-up. So, so that's where you I came, can check that box came now. from originally. I was at Berkeley, and uh, back in the late 90s, I started there and wanted to get into record production. And while I was in college there, Napster and that whole thing happened. And <sighs> the, the whole thing didn't seem like a viable thing. I didn't want to go serve coffee. So the, the janitor job at the Orpheum looked pretty attractive because I, I could, was at least up and moving around and not staring at a computer. And While we're doing the history of you, take us back further. Prior, you know, you, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Grew up on Cape Cod in Dennis, Massachusetts, um, before there were shark-infested waters. And uh, it was a wonderful place to grow up. Uh, and, and I still love going back there uh, all the time. Okay. Now it's about the event, Back to the Garden. We haven't really even gotten to that yet. What's going to be there? What do, what do you have? What did you pull out of your massive warehouse, David, to, well, br to well, bring to the event? Well, certainly that was the uh, flourishing period for psychedelic posters. So there are Jimi Hendrix posters and Grateful Dead posters and Fillmore posters. Um, now, the, you, the posters you have are the real deal, right? The, from the time. The, the key word that I like to use regarding the David Bieber archives is authentic. Okay. And everything that, and sometimes it's sourced material. So, you know, in the case of the Cabot and working with Casey on this, we've done some things that we've blown up, but everything came from a real artifact that I have. And the great thing about the Cabot, uh, uh, are the two levels where the walls are. We have the stairwells. We've got the front uh, bar area uh, and also some display cabinets that can house small objects, uh, everything from uh, old tickets uh, from, the 19, from 1969 uh, to 45 records. Uh, it's, it's just um, you know, a, a special opportunity to get these things out in front of the public again. And I think what's happened, it's it's an enhanced aspect of the guest experience. So somebody goes for a concert, somebody goes for a film, and they get this walkthrough kind of a time uh, time capsule of that year. And, you know, Time Magazine, for example, with Teddy Kennedy with a neck brace from the week after Chappaquiddick. Uh, just, uh, like I said... So it's not only about Woodstock, it's about 1969. Oh, absolutely. It's it's all about that. And those years, 67, 68, and 69, were so turbulent, and so many things were going on in terms of the sexual revolution, the women's liberation, uh, the um, the black movement, uh, uh, the gay rights, you know, in uh, July... Of this year, there were many uh, celebrations around the country of the Stonewall Revolution that went on, uh, where uh, uh, pe people were becoming assertive about their gay sexuality. They took a stance against being shaken down by the police. There were just uh, things that are still, in their own way, reverberating today. You know, you think that issues that were resolved and finished and put to bed. 48, 49, 50 years ago, in fact, are still, you know, having confrontational moments today. And, you know, it's, it, you, you, you look back in the rearview mirror and you say, wow, those were troubling times, those were challenging times, but we made it through because we know the results, we know what happened. Whereas today, we're confronted with so many 
moments of uh, indeterminacy, and we don't know how things are going to turn out. A lot of the music then, 67, 68, 69, was protest music. There's not, do people do protest music anymore? I'm not hearing it. Maybe I'm just in the wrong places, but does that seem strange to you? Well, it's, it's interesting. Am I just missing there, that? Just within the last day or two, there seems to be a movement for, you know, uh, all forms of musicians who are reacting against uh, gun violence to do some kind of massive multi-city concert uh, that would raise money for political action committees and for advertising and for support of certain political directions. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, uh, but it seems like there are a lot of artists. And there's a little bit of a, a, a shaming going on, too, like all you musicians who received the $31 million guarantee monies for uh, the Woodstock shows that you don't have to perform why don't you coalesce around this particular event? Yeah, that's a that's a good idea. I I want to get back to the the cabot. Tell me about the murals that are being put up. So that this was part of the strategy that that it, it all just came together kind of beautifully. Uh, and we we worked with Beyond Walls and uh, I think Al Wilson, who I think has been on your program before. Um, and worked with David, David for many years at the Phoenix, um, has done over 50 murals in downtown Lynn over the last three years uh, as part of their mural festival that just wrapped up this weekend. And from the first moment I laid eyes on the Cabot Theater, we have these 80-foot-tall brick walls on either side, and you know, thinking about what the Cabot means to the community, what you know, how, how can you take the art that's happening on the inside and, and on the stage that nobody can really see from the outside. It just looks like a big brick wall. And how do you bring that beyond the limitations of the walls and portray that somehow so that anybody that walks by the theater understands how important it is and how, how beautiful and the beauty that's inside. So, so that was kind of the idea. Um, we, we partnered up with them and uh, we're, we're part of a kind of a, a collaborative uh, collective group uh, of arts organizations on the North Shore uh, that, that collaborate and uh, we got a, we got a grant to help kickstart the whole thing. We raised over forty thousand dollars to do the project and we had a great community process to select the artists. There were over 70 artists that applied to our call for art. We selected uh, one female, Helen Burr from London, England, who did one side of the building and uh, a gentleman Alex Senna from Brazil who did the other side of the building and uh, Alex's piece is it's all black and white, almost in the um, you know how Banksy does does some of his art where the, it, it, there's some comedy you know to it, and uh, it's a guy who's who's laying in a field that's dreaming, and he's uh, he's all in black and white. Uh, he's got the stars you know on his pants and things like that, and it's this 80 foot tall guy that's laying in a field dreaming. And we thought you know you know the Cabot being closed for several years and. Someone had a big dream and a big aha to bring it to where it is now, and that we're always doing that, and we're thinking of the future. Uh, Helen's piece on the other side of the, the building reflects uh, what, what art and the community can do and how it can lift a community. Um, so there, there's a pic, and you, David, you saw the murals yes. on, on, su on Sunday, so you probably saw that there's, a, there's bare feet on, on, on one, one side, 
and uh, she took a picture of my feet the day before she painted it. So, but she wouldn't admit that those were mine, but they may be my feet that that are immortalized on the wall of the Cabot Theater. When they submit, when they tell you they want the gig, do they actually send you the design that they ended up with? No, you- we di- we didn't commission the work. So 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 we 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 did it all based on work that they had done, okay. their websites, and then, just- and then they gave us a statement, you know, of, of how they wanted to connect to Beverly, to the community, and to the okay. theater. So that's how they were picked. So you didn't really get to see what was going up. We didn't know what was going to happen until they got there, which was kind of fun. All right, let's break and continue here with Casey and David on WBZ. What are you talking about? You You may find yourself wide awake in the early hours of the day, and you may find yourself locking your radios on to Bradley J. WBZ News Radio 1030. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. We got to talk. Well, when can we talk? Over there is a very capable radio. 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 Get me someone on the other end of that radio. It's Bradley J. You know. Bradley J. J. Talking. You hear him talking on your radio. I can hear you. WBZ News Radio 1030. There's Carlos Santana, which reminds me of Woodstock. And, you know, my... Well, let me reintroduce Casey Sword, executive director of the Cabot Theater, which we're talking about a big event that David Beaver is involved in. It sounds like, David, you're pretty heavily involved in the Cabot Theater in an ongoing way, which is good. By the way, um, speaking of the music of Woodstock, there's, there's one performance that just, you know, for people who love music in a visceral way, it almost brings me to tears to see the Soul Sacrifice performance at Woodstock. It's just, yeah. it's to me, what rock is supposed to be, mm-hmm. nothing else comes close. There's a magic, transcendent moment. That drummer is on on cloud 87. He's just in the groove, and everybody's in the groove. The, the whole is more than the sum of the parts. It's it's what it's, it's, it's it right there. Well, you and, know the, and, what I mean. Yeah, and the spontaneity of so many of the performances. When you think about even something like Crosby, Stills, and Nash, their first public performance ever. And uh, when you think about Richie Havens, uh, that he was, uh, he wasn't planning to go on stage at the time that they put him out there, and they just needed someone to launch the festival. And when he did that, get out there, freedom. You know, freedom was totally improvisational. Made it up in the moment. And they were just. Uh, it, that's the beauty of it, and it, that it worked so well when so many things could have gone wrong. Yes, mm-hmm. and it was all about the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even the, well, we had a guest, John Kane, who put together a book with all new f- photos, never never before seen photos and stories from folks who were there, and his one of his main impressions talking to people is that every artist that came out was blown away by the people, and not only the number, but how they're behaving. And instead of the usual dynamic where I'm the rock star and you're the people, it was different. It was, oh, my God, you know, let me perform to you. Thank you for, for being here and being this way. 
And well, so for people who want to see the film, it'll be shown at the Cabot next Thursday. So this is a big. This uh, is the the big event. The right. This well, is on the pivotal event. This is, well, it's one of. I mean, the the beauty of what we've been doing started. You know, the 1969 Back to the Garden installation began in June and will carry through September. But each time that there is another phase. Uh, we bring in more content. So for the Janis Joplin, we'll be taking out some other things and putting in more Janis Joplin artifacts. For um, the weight band, which is uh, the 17th of August, we'll be bringing in more band-related materials. But on the 15th, which is next Thursday, Casey and I will be doing a walkthrough uh, the exhibit uh, for people who want to show up at 5.30, uh, preceding the Woodstock film, and we'll talk about all the artifacts, everything that's in there, uh, everything from uh, psychedelic Frank Kozik, uh, Richard Nixon, uh, four feet <laughs> by six feet poster, to uh, remember those pamphlets. You ever see those pamphlets? Uh, you know, this was uh, you know kind of early uh, uh, resistance to you know kind of uh, not use drugs and to inform parents on. W if their children were using PCP or speed or any, you know. Uh, no, you have. I haven't seen those. those uh, well, those uh, we have those on display as well. So, so VIP is called a VIP tour. Usually, VIP means you pay more money. Is that the case? This is not the case. Okay. anybody can show up. I didn't, and, that's why I brought it up. I didn't want people to think. I can't afford that. You know what? At the cabin, everybody's a VIP. Okay. So, well, so see, that's why they hired you. This is this is how we feel about this. We just want as many people to experience this as possible while we have this. So this would be the fifteenth. What time would you get there to experience the VIP tour? I, I would get there just a, just before five thirty to get in there with David and I. There'll be there'll be some food. There'll be drinks. It'll be a lot of fun. What night? This is the fifteenth. What night of the week is that? That's a, next Thursday. Jeez. The actual 50th anniversary of Woodstock. Yes, and if you start walking now, Bradley, you can have that yeah. Woodstock experience of walking to the site. And That's you right. You can make it in time for this. That's how, right. How long do you think it would take to walk to Beverly? You got about 20, <laughs> 20 miles from here, so you know. I did nine miles one day, but that was kind of that was kind of tough. I'd have to take the day off, and it's kind of last minute. But yeah, who knows? Maybe. The commuter rail goes there. You've got that. Yeah, hat on. I know. I know. I, I could make it back, I guess. All right. Good. You're always looking for something different to do. Yeah, you're right, David. <laughs> and sometimes you present me with stuff and I don't go. And, and that's not good. So I need to actually go to some stuff. Hey, we have Ernie in New Hampshire calling us. You know, feel free to call us now. 617-254-1030. Ernie. Hi, hey, hi, Bradley. Ernie. What's going on? Hi. Hey, uh, Casey. Is, uh, who's the one that books the acts? Casey, yeah. Can yes, hey, Ernie. Could you, talk, could you talk a little bit about the early history of the Cabot Theater? I'm assuming they were, did they have vaudeville acts that went through there that's, and silent films? That's correct. So it was all vaudeville and silent movies in the early days. Wow. Um, and we, we still do some of that stuff now. Really? Uh, yeah, we, yeah. We, we bring in the silent movies from the 20s. We have a great partnership with Berkeley where their students put an original score to silent movies from the 20s. And they come in, and we take out the first three rows of chairs. We put in a full orchestra, and they come in, and they perform them live to picture. It's one of the coolest experiences that you can have in that theater. And the actual name, has it got anything to do with the, the Cabot family? or? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. The Cabot family, uh, you know, was was an important family in, in Beverly. In the North Shore, and, yeah. In the North Shore. Yeah. And so it's, it is named for them. 
And can I ask you any chance you could ever book uh, Tower of Power at your theater? Well, we had them. We had them there two years ago. In fact, oh, you did. So, oh, so, wow. Yeah, we had them uh, New Year's Eve weekend right before oh, our first God. show with Peter Wolf. Um, oh. We would love to bring them back. They're f- fabulous to work with. And, oh yeah. Uh, we we would definitely bring them back. Did they do what, what is was, hip? They did. Yeah. What yeah. is hip? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the, much fun. Who was the lead singer with them there at that time? Do you remember? I, I, for, I forget his name, but he was he was he was a young guy and he was fabulous. And I rem, I'll never forget him because he was wearing an ugly Christmas sweater, and <laughs> and and but and 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 kind of gyrating his hips, and it was just this really really funny thing. So, <laughs> yeah. But uh, the talent was off the charts. Uh, oh yeah, and, and, they are one of the classic groups. And the horn, the horns, I believe, uh. was mo- most of the original horns were still there. Yeah, you you can't beat that sound. Well, that's exciting. Maybe they'll come back. And Ernie, you can. Tool on down from New Hampshire. Yeah, hey, I, I'm going to do that. Thanks, brother. Thank you, guys. Okay. Thanks. Mark and Wilburn, let's see if we can squeeze you in Hi, here. On. Hi, Mark. Hi, I'm here. I'm sorry. Go Hello? ahead. Hi, I just was uh, listening about Woodstock, and I agree with you. Soul sacrifice is amazing. <laughs> and one thing I've always loved about uh, Santana was the percussionists he would use that really added that flavor and that texture. Which you know made him so unique, but am, am I, I not actually, am, am I not mistaken? Or was the the, the, the uh, percussionist Michael Shreve? He was about seventeen or eighteen years old at the time. Yeah, you're talking about yeah. the drummer, and, the drummer kid, or a percussionist? The, the like, kid. Yeah. Oh, I don't know his name, but he was a, yeah. super young. Michael Shreve. Mm. Yeah. Neil Schoen was fifteen years old when he was picked up by Carlos Santana. I don't know if Neil was at Woodstock. Wow. But he played with Carlos Santana at the age of 15, and then he went off to form Journey. Right. And uh, so I was just going to point out the political irony of the Woodstock generation, and I'm not going to go too far into it. You know, listen, all right, go ahead. You have 30 seconds. All right. They play the songs that are reminiscent of Woodstock, and it's all anti-establishment. And the station that they do that for nostalgia on rhymes with my favorite bagel uh, topping, Locks. So I just think it's ironic. Thank you. I appreciate that. We're out of time. You know what? Speaking of that song. The station is called Cream Cheese? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I I love the beginning of that live version. And the seeing the movie is going to be great. Where it, you can tell it's just kind of pulling it together. Here we go. And the guy goes, he looks back and goes, just keep doing that. Yep. And they just, they kind of build it. And it, it's dudes making art in a magical way. We have 15 seconds before the break. Well, the beauty of it is that it was captured because, uh, you know, that was the turning point that gave them the profit. You know, they would have been hopelessly in the red. And and they would have been no Woodstocks 2, 3. Right. All right. Yep. Casey and David, thank you so much for coming in. And all the best of the magnificent stuff you're doing up there on the North Shore. Thank you. Thank you so thank much, you, Jay. Bradley. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.